It's like, no, literally, fuck you, MLB. I love that. What's up, guys? Another week. You know what that means. It's time for the Dry Heat Podcast with your hosts, Houston Hans. As always, brought to you by our unofficial official sponsor, Canadian Mist, a blend known for its metal character and smooth taste. Also, this week, uh, unofficial potential official sponsorship talks with uh, um, some Hensley beverage company, you know, the Oh Yeah Bars, TBT. So we're currently in talks with them. I uh, got some free gear, Bud Light Long Sleeve, a couple years ago. Excited to see what else that partnership can bring to the pot. Oh, yes, man. That's flashing me back to ripping some pucks against Andrew's driveway and garage door. Oh, my gosh, dude. The battles we had on the concrete. Next level. Get into it. Mm-hmm. Let's just pop off, baby. Do you want to start with mail time or how do you want to break it down? Yeah, we can do mail time first. I don't care. Andrew's a machine right now. He's just throwing questions left and right. Love it. So we're going to get into it. All right. Cuse, I've been noticing that you're just becoming a meme king. But one thing that I just wanted to highlight specifically is it seems like these memes are dealing with uh, heartbreak and distrust of a partner. Um, I want to know, first of all, man, are you okay? And second of all, you know, who is she? Who's causing this kind of confusion in your head, man? And uh, third of all, we got your back, dude. Uh, women can be difficult. So, you know, if you ever want to pick up the phone and ask for advice, call Alec. He can he can handle whatever you need. Peace. <laughs> One, yo, I appreciate that a lot. You know, sometimes out here in D.C. in the dirty streets, dude, the dating life gets a little weird, gets a little wild. You know, when you got, you know, some ambassador's son rolling up with the boat that just takes takes her away from you, you know, it's tough. All right, fellas. U.S. Open this weekend. Uh, John Rahm is opening up as the favorite. Who do you think guys guys is gonna win? Um, who's gonna play well? Who's gonna underwhelm? How's Abraham answer gonna play? Appreciate it. Oh, that's a great question. Um, that's a great question, Alec. Why don't you go first, though? I know you got a good answer. Yeah, you know, I think uh, in terms of who's gonna play well. It's Xander Shoffley because that guy just racks up top five, top seven finishes like they're nothing to him. So I actually think he might win it. I think he's got a chance. Um, but even if he doesn't, he's guaranteed a top ten finish in my book. So I think he's he's easy money to, to bet on. In terms of underwhelming, unfortunately, I hope I'm wrong, but I have a feeling that Jordan Spieth might underwhelm a little bit after the uh, success he's had this year. Uh, hopefully that's not the case, but you know he seems like a guy that everyone's kind of picking to make a good run at this, and I just I think he might have a little blow up day, and have some troubles out there. But who knows? And then uh, Abraham answer, I don't know how he's going to play this weekend. I think it depends on what kind of flow he's rocking. If he's got that perfect, just at the tip, curvy flow out the back of his hat, you know he's going to have a good weekend. But we got to see that first before we make a decision. Yeah, shout out to the short kings with Abraham answer there, dude. Five seven, Oklahoma guy, dude. Respect. I don't know about much about answer. I think my favorite to win is probably John Rom. Simply like you get taken away like that at Memorial, like he's gonna come back with a vengeance. Uh, looks like he's also probably like the betting favorite right now. And then, yo, I mean, the man, the myth, the legend. The people's champion, Phil Mickelson, dude. If he goes back-to-back majors, is he a top-ten golfer all time? Oh, absolutely. His career he might even be slam, in that category already. Well, I mean, that's debatable for sure. 
Um, but I mean, I think like if he wins another one at the age he's at and completing his career, like uh, Grand Slam, is that what they call in golf? But like, yeah, you get all the majors. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm pulling for Phil, the lefty, the gambling degenerate like myself. Uh, that's who I want to win. And I expect him to play well. John Rom, though, definitely the betting favorite. Kepka, Bryson, DeChambeau. God, I hope they get paired up. Um, Bryson apparently reports saying that he ran away from the pairing. Not surprised. Soft. Yeah, that's pretty typical of Bryson behavior right there. Also, uh, did, love, did love the match this weekend. Uh, Tom Brady taking shots by Aaron Rodgers. I love that. Love that. Is he going to go for it? Or are they going to lay up? You know, th- throwing back to uh, the Packers choosing to kick it rather than go for the go-ahead touchdown with MVP on their team. I do remember that. That was that was savage of Tom Brady. I'll give him that. <laughs> Bro, Tom Brady is on another level on social media. When you get that many rings, I just think you can do whatever you want. One, one, th- one sad thing about the U.S. Open, though, is it's at Torrey Pines this year, and we're not going to see Tiger at Torrey Pines, which is always something you look forward to. So hope his recovery is going well. I, I saw a picture of him the other day online. He was in a walking boot. Looked like he was feeling okay. So speedy recovery. Absolutely. Golf isn't the same without Tiger. That's for sure. Uh, I will say, though, I do hope the Kepka bryson DeChambeau thing picks up because that would be great for golf. And the fact that the USGA didn't make that happen is kind of like the most old white male thing I've ever heard of in my life. Yeah, that's the pairing that I think everyone pretty much wants you to see. You need that so. if you're golf, dude. Like, you absolutely yeah, need, like, you, I, everybody loves, I mean, there's a reason why people like WWE or, like, even these celebrity boxing matches, which are just so dumb, yet fairly entertaining at the same time. Everybody likes the friction. You love the drama. And especially with Bryson DeChambeau being one of the softest people ever and Brooks Kepka being maybe one of the douchiest golfers in the history of golf, which is saying something. Like, what a pairing that would be. Hope it happens. Got to make it happen at some point. All right. Uh, back to boxing talk. The thing that this show does the best. Um, Trevante a.k.a. Tank Davis, Jose Barrios, next weekend, super lightweights. Um, Cuse, this is uh, this is Floyd Mayweather's protege. He started a promotion company, and uh, even though promoting is just like a really shitty thing to have in a, in a frame of sport, in my opinion, Tremonte Davis seems to be legit. He gained weight just to fight this dude. Will you guys watch? Do you care? And, uh, Cuse, can you tell everyone about your wrestling days back in high school? Thanks. <laughs> oh, my God, dude. Wow, that was so – my wrestling career, Brophy, was very, very brief. Going with a quick 0-2. I don't think I made it out of the first two minutes of either round. Wow, that was a poll. That was honestly one of the worst, worst experiences I've ever had in my entire life. Our first two matches were against the Mesa schools. And like, <laughs> oh my God, dude. I'll never forget. I'll never forget walking up to Mark Najat for my first match and being like, yo, like any advice? And he was like, Nah, man, if you don't got to figure it out by now, like, you don't got to figure it out. And I was like, okay. And then I lost in 30 seconds, legitimately. So, yeah, (laughs) shout out, Mark, for that great advice. Thanks. Yeah. (laughs) Epic. Um, But, yeah, dude, that was a deep poll. I almost almost forgot that I did that. Um, Tank Davis, though, I mean, he's got a record. Let's start there. He clearly thinks he's a badass, you know, being probably – Five seven, so that's chill. Um, I don't really know about this boxing matchup, so and I don't really want to watch it. Like, if you're not 200 pounds and gonna knock someone the f- out, like Israel Adesanya, 
or even although I will say, did you see that MMA match with the two little guys? Yeah, that was crazy. Oh my! Talk about a fight that was epic, dude. I don't even know who they were, but I was watching it at this whatever, and it was epic. So, I don't know. You got this one. Yeah, I mean, I'm kind of with you on this one. I don't know a ton about the the featherweight division. Um, I I do know a little bit about Tank Davis just because of Floyd Money Mayweather kind of gets that extra promotion there. But uh, he is 24 and 0. And he's got 23 knockouts, so he okay, clearly I got knows. Tank Davis. Yeah, so. he, yeah, he clearly knows what he's doing in the ring there. The only hesitation I would have is he did have to put on weight for this fight, which you never want to go up in a weight class. It always seems to be harder. But with a record like that and a backing from Floyd as him being, you know, the next Floyd Mayweather or little Floyd Mayweather, I mean, how do you bet against that? So I think he'll have no problem with Barros. Me, but I'll let you uh, jump in if you want to. Alec, what do you think of the proposed 12-team playoff with automatic bids for conference champions? Um, top four conference champions get the bye. I'm sorry, top two. The next four have to play each other. Then on the other side, you've got at-larges. I believe this is the format. I might have it slightly wrong. Do you like it? Does it favor the Pac-12? What would you change about it, and is it going to happen? Thanks. Andrew, it's a phenomenal question. Uh, I do think that most people could guess where my thoughts lie with this as someone who's pretty against changing things from the way they are. I will say, though, I think that the playoff could be expanded. I don't think it needs to stay at four teams, but I would think more like a, an eight-team playoff where you got the five – Power five auto bids from the conference champions and then three at large teams. Um, I think once you start getting out towards 12, the issue is it's going to devalue a lot of the bigger bowl games that are kind of fun just to have as a one off bowl game and not be a part of the playoffs. I don't know. It's just always fun every now and then to have a Fiesta Bowl or a Cotton Bowl that isn't a playoff and it's just the bowl by itself. And then I also think you run into the issue of like, the 12th best team, you, we already see it with four teams where the fourth team playing Alabama or Clemson is going to get absolutely wrecked. So you you make that a 12 team, someone in 10, 11, 12 playing against someone like Bama. I just think that that's going to lead to a ton more blowouts of games that aren't that fun to watch. Um, so, yeah, if I had to change it, I would change it to, you know, I'd shrink it down to maybe a six or eight team playoff with uh, fewer at-large bids, if anything. Um, is it going to happen? I don't yes. know, honestly, but I think if you if it's money talks, right? So if it's going to bring in more money for the NCAA for them to continue to make billions of dollars, then they're going to do it. So, yeah, I, I would I would just say like I think twelve teams is stupid. I also think the NCAA is stupid. And um, to your point, it's kind of like, well, what's even the point? Not only the Bulls. Because a lot of the bulls are dumb anyway now. Because now that there's a, like the, the four teams and then like the way the bulls are now, it's like who, like yeah, it's cool like if the rose bowl and like the sugar bowl, but it's like if those aren't like the big games that year for the fourteen playoff, like I'm a lot less interested. And then also, you devalue the conference championship. So it's not only devaluing bowl games, it's conference championships. Plus then also those three at-large bids or whatever are all going to be the fucking SEC anyway. So I do agree they need to expand it, but also at the same time, it's like it's going to be the same story that's been going on. So That's actually a very fair point. Like they're they're doing this to pretend like they're going to include the maybe someone from the American or the Mac or whatever, but it's totally just going to be additional, like, no. four-loss SEC teams that, oh, well, they look good, so. A hundred percent. Like, literally, one thing I saw with, like, this news is literally uh, if they just did the top 12 teams, like, and they don't do conference champions or however they do it, but basically it was, like, if you don't do the conference champions and you just do the top 12 teams, like, the Pac-12, none of their teams would have made it last year. And it's like, well, <laughs> Okay, so basically we're just trying to get more SEC teams in, okay? <laughs> yeah. Good story. Thanks a lot, guys. We're really doing a lot for the game here.
yeah, it'll be interesting to see. I'm sure they'll they'll have it announced sooner rather than later, but yeah, I don't know. And then uh, we got one more from Andrew before we move on. It's a great. Awesome to see these Suns videos of everybody coming back in and celebrating, uh, like DeAndre Aiden jumping out of the sunroof and a bunch of people waiting for him, which I think begs the question, which sport and sports team is most important to the city of Phoenix? I mean, in 2001, when we won the World Series, the city went nuts. I remember my mom was scared because they like flipped a car in North Central or something. Um, the Cardinals, obviously the Red Sea, that's the biggest stadium and we sell it out a lot. Um, that would be huge if they won, but it, there's just something about the Suns, but seems like that's the most important team to Phoenix, maybe because they're the oldest, uh, just curious which one you guys think really rallies the community the most. Thanks. Well, we've kind of touched on this actually, when I was talking about, in a previous pod, when we were talking about what would be a bigger deal, like the Suns winning a championship or the Cardinals winning the Super Bowl. And to me, I think it's the Phoenix Suns. If they win the, the championship, I think that's a way bigger deal because Suns being the OG sports team in Phoenix, it's just you can tell. Like, we haven't been good in, like, 10 years. But as soon as we start winning, all I don't even think it's bandwagon, to be honest. I just believe that there has been no hope, literally no hope for like the longest time. And after the bubble, more team, like more people were on top of the Suns, like, oh, let's get in. The Suns are going to be good. Like Chris Paul drew some interest more. Like people were like, okay, there's hope now. There's hope. And then you just see the way the fans have reacted to just being in the playoffs. You know, we're only in the Western Conference Finals, which is cool. But, like, people are freaking out, dude. So, I definitely believe the Suns winning a Finals would be the apex of Arizona sports. Yeah, no, I agree with you. Uh, you're absolutely right. They're the uh, the first team out here. They were a staple. You had them at the Madhouse on McDowell. They moved it was over to America West and then U.S. Airways, and now it's – whatever casino is willing to sponsor them next, but they've been a part of the city and an integral part of developing downtown and the fans just love them. They're, you know, I think if you just ask a random person, there's always those sports geeks like us that, you know, we love all our teams. I would love a Cardinal Super Bowl. I'd love a Coyote Stanley Cup. I would love the D-backs to win the World Series again. But if you just take some random person off the street and ask them which team they care about, I think you're going to get more Suns answers than any other of the four sports here so i agree with you i think it's the suns yeah 100 percent with that like i feel like like if you're casual if you're not really even into sports in arizona like you're a suns fan like you're probably you also be, like you're you probably also a happier person. what's that you're probably also just a happier person if you're not an arizona sports fan <laughs> <laughs> that's true but i just mean more if like you you're just not a sports fan and you live in arizona like you're probably not a d-backs fan like you probably do go to spring training though because that's cool like you definitely go to waste management open like there's stuff that you do and like one of those things though is like being a suns fan like because everybody in phoenix is a suns fan whereas like yeah. you might not be a cardinals fan because they suck forever the d-backs like who wants to go to those games um but going to a Suns game is lit. And then the Coyotes even, like, they're so far away. It's like, I don't even want to go there. But, like, just everything around the Suns, when they're good, the city's popping, and you can tell immediately. Yeah, and that's actually a perfect uh, segue into what I'm sure most of the uh, the viewers and fans out there are wanting to, wanting to hear is some Suns talk. So – Suns in four. Yeah, last time we were on the pod, we said – we said Suns in five, and we weren't sure if we were being too overly optimistic with it. No, turns I out did. We, you you said that, uh, not me. Yeah, yeah. I uh, turns out we were way too cautious, and we should have said Suns in four because the Suns swept the Denver Nuggets in the semifinals of the Western Conference with ease, and they now get a week off of rest because every other team is still playing and they're done. 
Yeah, what do we I, think? I, I mean, the biggest thing was, like, I even if you go back, I went back and listened to what we said. And basically what I said was, like, I'm going to give Denver a game because I think Jokic at home in game three coming off two losses is going to have a big game. And then they're just going to shoot the lights out. You know, and I like, but I think that's the only way they can win. And they didn't do that at any point in the series. Like, MPJ literally looked like dog water. I have no idea what Nuggets fans were even talking about. It kind of makes you think, like, if you're Dame Lillard, like, holy shit, like, get me out of Portland immediately because of how bad the Nuggets looked against the Suns, who, like, you know, are obviously a legit contender now, but are still very, very young. So they're going to be around for a long time. And obviously the Nuggets were pretty injured. But, yeah, and so I just thought Joker would be better. Even his 32-20-10 game or whatever, and they were talking about, like, oh, like, this is so great since, like, Wilt and Kareem. It's like, bro, he took 30 shots. Aiden guard dominated him the whole series. Like, of course, Jokic is going to get 30 points because he's going to take 30 shots. Like, like, he didn't do anything. He didn't do anything. And he's the only guy scoring for the Nuggets whatsoever. And so that 32 points or whatever, they were, like, fawning over that. That's what the Suns want. You know, he didn't do shit the entire series until he punched campaign in the face. Yeah, I think if you watched that whole series and hadn't watched any of the other parts of the regular season or known much about it, and I told you that Jokic was the MVP of the league, you would think that the performance around the league is pretty poor because he did not look like an MVP that series. I think, you know, a large part of it could definitely be, like, maybe they were just having an off series. Like, sure, there's a little bit of that, but they just were not prepared whatsoever seen by the fact that Malone didn't even change his lineups until the fourth game. Like he just thought they were going to show up. And when he was calling out his team, the whole series, I was just like, are you not watching this game? Like they're definitely trying. They're just getting the, like they're getting run ruled in these games. Like how do you expect them to keep an effort for the whole fourth quarter? When one, you're pulling them with five minutes left and two, they're literally down by 20 points at, at halftime. And they're trying, and they're just, it's not there. So I thought. A ton of help. So you feel for the guy. But also, MVPs do what MVPs do, and they make their teammates better, and they make their team better, and they're competent, you know, team players. And Jokic, yeah, he put up some decent stats every now and then. But like you said, they weren't efficient, and it didn't help his team at all. It's like you're totally fine with him going off for. 30, 20, and 10 because you're beating them by 25 points because no one else is getting involved. Well, and there was a couple games in there, too. Like, he was on track for, like, 40, 20, and 10. Um, But he he was on track for that at halftime. But then he got pulled because we were up by 20. And it was like, you know, I kind of feel for Jokic. But also at the same time, it's like, we are just so much better. Like, the injuries don't account for how badly we are beating the shit out of you. Yeah. Like, like if we were winning by, like, 5, 10 points, it'd be like, all right, like, Jamal Murray not, not being there, like, P.J. Dozier not being there. Like, they even had Will Barton back in game three, like we were thinking he would be. And I thought that would be more of a factor. But, like, the two things we talked about, the Portland Trailblazers were on the opposite side of the spectrum defensively. And they were shooting all their shots in that series were like wide open. And the Suns come top five defense basically, put pressure on those shots. They don't make any of them, it seemed like. It seemed like they couldn't hit anything. And I think Malone calling his team a bunch of pussies was kind of interesting the whole series. I mean, yeah, I think he was probably trying just to get them fired up a little bit. And it obviously didn't work. But you, I think you hit the nail on the head perfectly there. It's just that it wasn't a lack of effort as much as it is the Suns are just clearly the better team. So watching game one, you know, at halftime, we weren't looking that great. We were kind of looking sloppy out there. They were – MPJ was hitting what would end up being like his only made shots of the series in that first half. And then even into the second half, they built that 10-point lead. And I remember thinking, you know, like, shit, what, what's going on here? Like, this is not how I thought the series was going to go. And what, four, five minutes later? Suns go on a 17-0 run, and 
Next thing you know, they're up by 20 points and playing their subs in pretty much the back half of the fourth quarter. And from that point on, game two was the same thing. Game three, like you said, you thought they might come out with some fire. Jokic getting his MVP award. You know, they're back in Denver. They just got their ass kicked two straight games. And it looks nothing like that. It was just from start to finish, the Suns lead. And the closest game was game four. And even that didn't feel close. It felt like the Suns had it the entire time. So I think you're right. I think, you know, he was doing what he could to try to fire up his team. But the Suns were clearly the better team in that series. We a team with the MVP. Like, I don't care if they were injured or not. Jamal Murray. Booker didn't even play, dude. Like, Booker just took his open shots. Like, Booker didn't have to do anything. Like, these were all team wins. I also think Aaron Gordon definitely played better in that first game than he did at any other point in the series. Booker taking that next superstar level of figuring out how to flow with the defense, give what the defense is taking them. Feeding Mikael Bridges stepped up really big. I mean, Jay Crowder had a huge bounce-back series. Chris Paul, freak. And then Booker didn't have to. You're exactly right. He didn't have to do that. You know, what he did in game six in L.A. where he just put the team on his back and willed that team to victory. It was like Booker could get his points that he was going to get and hit his open shots, but he didn't have to force anything, and it didn't have to run through him. It was like the whole team was just doing what they needed to do to get that win, um, which is actually I wanted to highlight a couple things, like a, what went great, what went good, and what was just meh. I don't think there was anything bad that series because we swept them. How can there be that much bad? I think the great you highlighted was CP3. His shoulder looks 100% better. His mid-range was just unstoppable. That that right-sided elbow that he goes to every time, it's like automatic, going to go in. Well, um, I'll also tag Aiton with a great because the way he handled Jokic, which is exactly what we had hoped for, is all we needed him to do. We didn't need him to score 30, 40 points a game. We needed him to keep Jokic in check, which he did on the defensive end. He made him very inefficient got in his way, caused him to take difficult shots, didn't let him get into a rhythm of any kind or get the team flowing. So I'll give Aiton's defense on Jokic an A as well. That's great. Um, the good – actually, I'll throw another great in. I'll throw Jay Crowder. The way he bounced back is he kind of struggled a little bit, at least from three in those – at least the beginning games of the Lakers series. But he was just on fire the entire Denver Nuggets series. He just found his groove and he was hitting his shots. And his defense, you always know, is going to be solid. Um, and just the way he gets in people's heads, too. Uh, the good, I'll say Devin Booker was good. Uh, but Devin Booker's good is better than most people's greats. So, you know, who's not going to take that? Mikhail Bridges was very good, did what he needed to do. Uh, for me, oh, another good, uh, Dario Saric. Shout out Dario Saric. He had to come in for Aiden when he got in foul trouble in, what was that, game two or three? And he's filled that role much better than Frank Kaminsky hit his shots, actually played decent defense for how unathletic and slow he is. And so that'll be huge for us if he can keep playing like that and be the guy that can sub in for Aiden instead of Frank in the future. Uh, for the meh, for me at least, uh, I'll say campaign. Loved the guy, but he was pretty meh in the series. Didn't do much. Not in a bad way, just not the uh, campaign from the L.A. series because we didn't need him to be. Uh, and then also meh, Cam Johnson. I would like to see him get his stroke and his confidence back because that's just been missing from him for a little bit here since his injury. Yeah, I think you guys ran on Cam Johnson. I think is really interesting um, simply because I know he's not like draining shots at his 50% clip that he does in the regular season, but you guys saying that he had a bad has had a really bad playoff so far was really interesting to me simply because like you look at what he has done and all his three points – Three-point attempts have been really clutch. And he's been playing, like, considering the guys he's been going up against are have been LeBron James, basically, and then Michael Porter Jr., who or Aaron Gordon, one of those two guys. He's hustling. He's getting turnovers. And, you know, the shots will fall at some point. So I think calling his play, like, bad is, like, interesting. So I said, meh, not bad, meh. Yeah, I but expect- Bender, Bender threw in the group me like he's playing like trash and everyone was in on that. And I thought that was like interesting simply because like what I said, I, he's given full effort and like when the shots start to fall, it's going to be scary. Um, no, if he's, also, he hits his shots, yeah, that's – the other teams will be in some trouble. Yeah, I mean, 
Yeah, I mean that's the thing though. With when you have four wings like Tory Craig, Cam Johnson, Jay Crowder, and Mikael Bridges, is that so far all those guys have played very, very solid. And Cam Johnson is probably the worst, like probably the last guy coming off the bench, to be honest. So the fact that he's giving you that as the last guy coming off the bench is awesome. <laughs> you know, comparing him to Mikael Bridges in that series or Jay Crowder or Tory Craig, you know, because Tory Craig played for those Denver Nuggets. Talk about that. Dude, also, let's talk about the chips on the shoulder for the Suns right now. <laughs> no All-NBA team for Booker. No Coach of the Year for Monty Williams. No All-Defense team for Mikael Bridges. CP3 just slided all the time, honestly. How, many, how much bigger can the chip get for the Phoenix Suns? Yeah, I mean, you take the drive they had already to win a championship and you just add all these slights against them. I think you want to see our guys win that. It's frustrating when they don't get that. But for me, I look at that as just extra motivation for this team that probably doesn't even need any more motivation. So you give them more on top of that, like, I'll take it. Use that Use that anger, that frustration, that hate at the national media and just direct it towards proving them all wrong and getting a championship. That's what I say. I love it, too, because now people are like, now that Kawhi is like out and might not play the rest of the playoffs, which is crazy to think. Um, and then, you know, Denver was banged up. They're saying, like, the Lakers were so banged up. Oh, my God. But basically, like, now it's even like, oh, the Suns are just lucky. Like, they're not even that good. It's just like, oh, my boy. Give it to me. Give it to me. Don't give us anything. We are going to take the Larry O'Brien and we are going to snatch the soul of every single person we play in the NBA playoffs. And, bro, it's so ridiculous what they're trying to do to the Suns right now. Excuses after excuses for why they are where they are because they can't come to terms with the fact that they just didn't pay attention to this team all year and have no idea how good they actually are. No idea. Even if you look at, like, the national media stories, it's so it was, like, the Lakers series it was all about the Lakers and, like, oh, wow, they were up to one. It's like, oh, this series is over. Chris Paul was hurt that whole time. That was the only re- – I, I will say, if Chris Paul was healthy that entire series, I think we also sweep the Lakers, to be honest. Or they would just get one game. Like, we were beating the crap out of them. And the Nuggets, you know, all the Nuggets, people were like, Nuggets in five, Nuggets in six, Nuggets in seven. And I was like, what are you talking about? Like, they were so high off that Blazers win. It was ridiculous. And so, and then I was even looking at this series and, you know, like, I definitely think it's a disappointment for the Suns that the Jazz and the Clippers won't be healthy, potentially coming to play us. And then you even look at the Nets, you know, not being healthy. If the 76ers somehow escape, they wouldn't be healthy. Although I will, I will say, I think the Hawks are going to win that. But it's just, it's wild, man. And so I think if you're the Suns, you just got to seize the opportunity. I mean, the only thing that matters at the end of the day is NBA Finals MVP, and if you won the championship. Suns have suffered so much. I'm not even here for it, this injury or, like, lucky breaks talks. The whole Nash era is defined by us getting absolutely screwed every single year. So, you know what, dude? And then even CP3, the CP3 COVID stuff, like, I don't even care, dude. If we beat the shit out of everybody, I don't – who cares, man? I don't yeah. even care about the haters, like – the whole we got literally we literally got a ref who was known as is who is known as someone who shaved points as the main reason we lost that Sun Spur series with Nash and now you know with all the stuff that CP3 has dealt with in his career too it's just like bro we are this is our championship I think to be just take this is ours to take. Yeah, we'll get to CP3 in a second. Obviously, that's the fresh news on everyone's mind. I just want to finish up real quick with that Nuggets recap. Not related to the play at all, but what did you think of the video of the Suns and Four guy just beating the shit out of that Denver Nuggets uh, trio there that was pouring beer on him and grabbing his shirt? So the dude's name is Nick McKellar, went to Sunny Slope. Booker actually reached out to him, found him online, and gave him a signed jersey and has uh, tickets for him to the Western Conference Finals. But what what did you think when you saw that whole thing go down? Oh, man. What a absolute legend, dude. 
I mean, I think it would be one thing, and I, I think the reason why everyone's rallying behind it is because the dude tried to sucker punch him, and they started it. Like, I, I think it's one thing, like, when you're talking shit to each other, like, you know, this being the Suns at the Nuggets, it's like, you know what, like, Suns fan, like, what the fuck are you doing here? Or whatever. You know, I think that's one thing. But when you try to sucker punch somebody like that, that is literally so dangerous. You can kill people like that. Legitimately, you can kill people like that. And so for those fucking two fucking Nuggets clowns to, like, get that guy to get his chain grabbed and be, just punching on him and beat the shit out of him a little bit. Not even that hard. He wasn't even wailing on him that hard. He was just like, dude, you fucked up. And he had the high ground. Yeah. I think it's absolutely legendary. I think the Suns and Four thing, mid-fight, absolutely epic. I mean, you see Barstool ha- had him on for interviews. They, like, they're putting out merch, too. He has his own action figure. Booker's hooking him up. I mean, I think that's something that you remember forever if the Suns win the championship this year. Yeah, he's absolutely legendary. I, I think you're right. The reason why it's not a bigger issue of just, oh, some assholes in the stands got into a fight is, like, he clearly was in the right there. Even the Nuggets fans around him, like, all vouched for that, that he was just being treated like shit by these guys. And you're so, like, epitomizes what the Suns-Nuggets series was. We just grabbed the Nuggets and fed them uppercuts until they walked away wounded. And uh, so technically, I will say we did win in five because we beat their ass five times. Tory Craig, absolute monster dunk in game one. Then in game two, what happened? The rip off the shirt kid. Oh my god, I almost forgot about that. What an absolute legend. Game three, you got the Suns and four gladiator. You know, this is Sparta. And then game four, we just beat the shit out of them. So, I mean. To the point that Jokic, who's literally not known for ejections, got ejected. Yeah, very uncharacteristic of him. Uh, so, yeah, man. <laughs> and that's why I love, dude, I love what the Suns fans are doing right now. Um, I think that's the, kind of the biggest story of that second round. I feel like we almost got, like, our first round series in the second round because the Nuggets were so banged up. And, like, that Lakers series was, like, a deeper playoff series so far, not only because of, you know, the fact that the Lakers team is probably much better than what the Nuggets had. Yeah. But also, like, the like it kind of – watching that Nuggets series makes you really appreciate how much Monty Williams and Booker and a lot of those guys had to do in that Lakers series to get those wins. Because, like, you just think about the adjustments even from game to game, and then you look at the Nuggets and Malone, and he didn't do shit, and we just whooped them versus, the like, the Lakers – that's the, their D was insane. You know, they got LeBron and it kind of makes you like kind of one, feel sorry for Dame, Like I said earlier and two, like no wonder why LeBron was like, Holy shit, this is ridiculous. Like I'm out of here <laughs> because he had to be thinking that whole time. Like, yo, if I literally wasn't here right now, I think this team might lose by 50 points. They almost did with him there, but but CP three injury COVID. What's, do you got any news on that? No, I just know pretty much everyone else does at this point that he had a positive test. Uh, Sunday. The, yeah. the positive test was from Sunday. They got back to positive on Monday. He's been vaccinated. He was vaccinated back in February. To add insult to injury, the Suns have the highest vaccination rate out of any team in the NBA. And, of course, of course this happens. That's that's the first thing that went through my head when I woke up. The Not... Not despair, not sadness, not anger, not frustration. Just, of course, just acceptance immediately. Of course, I knew this had to happen. It happens every year at the Suns. Uh, he's going to be reevaluated on Saturday. Uh, I don't know what to expect, man. If he tests positive still on Saturday, like, we're fucked. I don't know how really? else. You think so? even after Kawhi's injury and the Jazz losing to them without Kawhi? I, yeah, I mean, yeah. We got to hope, no matter who we end up playing, Clippers or Jazz, we got to hope that that series goes seven to give us more time till Tuesday would be the start day for that. And then we just got to hope that it was either a false positive or he's feeling better by then. I don't even know if they ever announced if he was symptomatic. I think it was just a routine test that the NBA does for all the teams still left. I don't think it was a, I'm feeling sick, I'm going to get tested, but they haven't really released much info around it, so hopefully it's just a false positive, or if it's not a false positive, hopefully a 
very mild case that his body will have cleared by Saturday so he can be good to go. Because without him, even even with a banged-up Jazz or a banged-up Clippers team, I just don't like going into a Western Conference Finals without CP3 at the helm. Yeah, I mean, okay, interesting. I don't think it's that big of a deal, to be honest. Um, I definitely would prefer to have CP3 to not have CP3. And when news broke to me, I was like, wow, that's that's the most CP3 thing of all time. Like, talk about someone who literally cannot get a good break in the playoffs to save his life. Like, he gets the stinger in round one, but we survive. But literally the only reason why we lost two games to the Lakers at the same time. Um, and then, you know, he was positive. He also did get vaccinated with Peyton, Bridges, and Booker at, like, the fair or whatever. And then they're saying that all he, all he has to do is have two negative tests within 24 hours. So just being like negative, but then also he has been vaccinated. So all the cases, like if you're vaccinated and then you get COVID, like your case will be way more mild and you'll be able to come back sooner. So those are two points. Um, there's not like there's a, it's not like there's a 10, 14 day quarantine like that. Like he just needs to have two negative tests and he's good to go. And then also, I think that if the Jazz win, it's like we're going to be playing at Jazz game one. And then if Clippers win, we're at home game one. Either way, for me, I don't think – like if you're at Jazz, it's almost better because then like if you lose that game, it's like it, it's not that big of a deal because like you only have to win one to be in, in the spot there, to be in a good spot there. And if you're Clippers – at home, it's like in, that's also a good spot to be in because all your role players play better at home, and obviously prefer to have CP3 out there. I mean, you saw what he did this series. Like, I don't think we sweep without CP3. You know, the things that he was doing in those games were just insane. But at the same time, like if he's healthy and good to go by game two, game three, like I, I don't know. And then, not to mention Kawhi's injury sprained knee. He might not play the rest of the playoffs. Like, Pandemic P, come at me, bro. And then you have the Jazz with their Conley injury. Donovan Mitchell super banged up. Rudy Gobert showing again that he's literally dog water. And I can't believe he's the defensive player of the year because he's so bad at basketball. Obviously, he's a good defensive player, but he just has no offensive game whatsoever. Also, for both those matchups, I will say, if DeAndre Ayton in this playoffs beats Anthony Davis, Jokic, and Rudy Gobert, and potentially meets up with Joel Embiid in the finals or guards KD or whatever, what more does Ayton need to do to prove that, one, he was worthy of the first overall pick, and then, two, how good of a center is he in this league? Yeah, I think that he's done all we've asked or could have hoped for so far. And if that continues, I mean, it's got to be said, like, that's such a such an asset and a commodity to have in a guy like that, um, especially in a guy that isn't a big, you know, stat fiend ball hog. To have him be a team player like that, I think it puts a lot of the naysayers to rest. Hopefully, you, you never know. But if he keeps playing like that, we'll be in a great position. Um, in terms of the CP3 thing, you're right. Like, yeah, it's uh, it's supposed to be more mild with the vaccine, and it should just be a quick, quick turnaround. But if it's not just a false positive that they had on Sunday, the issue becomes like some people. It's just random. They, they'll continue to test positive on PCR because it amplifies leftover viral particles that aren't infectious, and they can test positive for weeks and months after. So that would be my only concern. Is like. Just fingers crossed that come Saturday, it's a negative test and CP3 is good to go, whether we're flying to Utah or staying home against the Clippers. Wow, I, I did not know that. That's actually great, great doctor's insight right there. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I, I think that Aiden, dude, I, let me just say this because I, I was hoping you would reach out more on the Aiden thing. I think Aiden could be a top three center by the end of this playoffs. Because he, Anthony Davis, is better than DeAndre Aiden. But not much better, and definitely not on defense. And then Jokic doesn't even play defense, is what I saw from that series. And yeah, he has more like offensive firepower 
than DA. Like he has more, you know, he's shooting threes. He just looks smooth out there. He's the point center basically. But DA, I mean, basically played him to a draw and he's the MVP of the league. And, you know, you can tell, like, how much respect Jokic has for DeAndre Ayton. It make me think a lot more of DeAndre Ayton. Even what I already thought after beating the shit out of Anthony Davis. Um, and AD got hurt or whatever. But at game one, I mean, <laughs> DA whooped them. And then going up against Rudy Gobert, if he puts a whooping on Rudy Gobert too, like, I, I think if you lift me off with those guys, I think it goes Anthony Davis fully healthy, which he never is, and then DeAndre Ayton. And then you have Joel Embiid in there as, like, the other top center, and then it's like, who else is there? It's pretty high praise coming from you, man. Well, dude, I mean, the biggest knock on DeAndre Ayton this whole time has been he doesn't stay focused during the regular season, so he'll have games where he does nothing. <laughs> or, like, it's just, like, at certain points, he's just, like, off in the la la land and so instead of having like a massive night he has like 10 points 10 rebounds which is fine but i think like he's a playoff he's just built for the playoffs like he just is like his mentality of like and like he loves the challenge and he gets better as he plays you more and more like uh, legitimately i mean he's someone who could average 28 and 12 if we fed him the ball more and, you know, you look at the guys who average something like 30 and 15, like those guys are Shaq. And that's how good he is right now. Yeah, he's been incredibly impressive this playoffs. And I think he'll have the chance to keep showing that focus and that drive in the next series whenever it does come about. But, we, yeah, speaking of not ideal, the Diamondbacks, Q's, they're actually on pace to set – an MLB record for the history of all of baseball, but not in a good way. They've lost 22 straight road games. They have not won a road game in over 50 days. The last road game they won was Mad Bum's no-no. That didn't even count as a no-no. They're going for 23 tonight against San Francisco if they lose. This has been incredible to watch in all the worst kinds of ways. Yeah, I mean, I don't really know what to say. Uh, but I, I will say, though, like, let me just touch on this. The fact that we fired our hitting coaches makes no sense to me. Makes no sense. Like, I'll, like our hitting is fine. Our hitting is legitimately, like, middle of the road. And considering we've had guys like Domingo Leibo go over 22 or and, like, guys not pull their weight. Like, we got guys like Josh Rojas who's come up and, like, he's done really well for us. You got Pavin Smith, who could be rookie of the year. Kenamal Tay's been back for, like, half of this. Carson Kelly's played for, like, 10 games now. And he was, at one point, an MVP candidate. And then you just look at, like, it just is, it's just so weird. Like, in the game where we're up 8 nothing, we lose 9-8 to against the Giants because our bullpen sucks. It's like you get one good start and there's hitting, the bullpen blows it. You get a terrible start, the starting pitching blows it. Or you get like the bullpen and the starting pitchers both do well, but then nobody gets a hit. It's just been so strange to watch. And so I don't really take anything away from it, to be honest, except for the fact our team's clearly been injured and Tori Luvello doesn't have the clubhouse anymore, I think is kind of my takeaways. No, Tori's definitely lost the clubhouse. I think like just the the statement loss on that, if there is one, was that was that well, like you said, was it seven zero or eight zero lead the other night, and then we allowed a grand slam in the eighth to lose it. Like that's just perfect. You're you're right there to steer the the team away from this terrible record that's going to be in the record books forever, and you can't even maintain a seven zero lead. Like that's just ridiculous. So I guess there's not many good takeaways. There's a lot of bad takeaways, but I feel like we kind of already knew all them before this. Uh, I think you're right. Lavulo's lost the clubhouse. He's lost the confidence of me, of you, all the boys, pretty much everyone that's a fan of the D-backs, he's lost the confidence of. And this team is just, it's tough to watch, man, night in, night out. It's not a team that's enjoyable to watch. That's why I think it's so crazy we fired the pitching coach. I mean, at the end of the day, like the manager's the one making decisions here that cause winning or losing. It's not 
the team who's 16th in runs with ahead of teams that are leading their divisions like the New York Mets. The New York Yankees have less runs than we have. The, lead, the division-leading Milwaukee Brewers have less runs than us. Teams like Seattle, St. Louis has less runs than us. I mean, to think that our hitting coaches is the problem is just mind-boggling to me, especially when at one point we were a top-five offense. And yeah, all we've it, done is lose all our starting players. Yeah, I think it's just a scapegoat for for Tory Luvillo at this point where it's like we got to show that we're trying to do something this year. But I think – Yeah, but it's pitching – dude, pitching coach. Like, if it's anybody, it should have been the pitching coach. Yeah, yeah, you're, you're right. I, mean? I think the whole staff is going to be out at the end of the year, though. Well, Luvello, yeah, you're right, though, because I was just about to say, like, Luvello's contract ends this year. And so maybe they're just running out his contract. Yeah, you if know, you're finishing the cheap bastards that the Arizona Diamondbacks are. If you're finishing out your contract and looking to be uh, re signed, I would recommend not managing the last place team in baseball on the verge of 23 straight road losses. But how wild is that, though? Like, and we also have five more wins than the Rockies. On the road, still, it's like you know, like our hitting has been fine. Like the hitting's not the problem, and it's just no one's in sync. I think that the locker room's all fucked up, and I don't want to. Yeah, man. I mean, what else is there to say? You got to win a fucking baseball game. The the sticky substance ban that's now come out from the MLB in the last couple of days. Uh, oh man, led to that. Well, not maybe not led to, but Glasnow got injured in his first start since the ban of the sticky substances, and he's heated about it, claiming that the ban is what caused his UCL injury that is ending his season. Uh, what are your thoughts on maybe Glasnow's statement and just in general this new rule that the MLB has come out with? Uh, well, this is what I will say. Um, and we were talking about it briefly on the pod before I said, let me just save it for the pod a little bit. Uh, Spinway is like this whole massive discussion um, because simply increasing your spin rate, like the way that these guys have been doing is just, you can't do it naturally. And then also there's a massive difference between what Glasnow said he was doing, which is pine tar and bullfrog, which is sunscreen and pine tar, like, which, you know, people in the MLB have been doing for literally a hundred years. I mean, that's a whole different situation than what they're trying to get out of the game, which is this thing called spider tech, which is literally what like the people who do world's strongest men competitions use when they lift up those one ton boulders, you know what I'm talking about? They do like the Adonis circle grab. That's, that's literally what spider tech is created for. Like, and so to have us think about how sticky that stump substance would have to be while someone's sweating and they're carrying literally a ball that weighs over 500 pounds. Like, that's what that's made for. So you can just naturally think about how sticky that is. I think MLB, though, just larger, because um, this is like a very lengthy discussion, which um, we probably don't have time for for this pod. But so basically, like two years ago, Trevor Bauer came out and told everybody that everybody's doing this. And then nobody cared. So Trevor Bauer was like, okay, nobody cares that literally these people have literally created something that allows for them. Like they went into the chemistry lab and built something that allows for them to throw the ball in a way that is one, not only faster, but two, increases spin rate. And basically, the easiest way to think about spin rate is. Like a normal pitcher throws like a 2200 spin rate. If you get like, and the batting average is something like 300, right? Then you go up like 200 spin rate. So it's like 2500. The batting average drops to like 200. And then if you go up to like 27, 2800 spin rate, where like these guys like Trevor Bauer using the substance after he told everybody, like everyone's cheating and was like, yo, okay, no one's going to police this. Then like, fuck you guys. I'm going to go win the Cy Young. Like that, he's showing how significant of a jump this stuff really causes. Like a 27, 2800 spin rate causes like an 078 batting average. Like that's how significant these spin rates are. But also at the same time, and so it's definitely cheating. Like that's what that is. Like if you're using spider tech, that's cheating. If you're using bullfrog and like 
um, pine tar, that's, you know, that's just what you use. And so I guess I would say there's like levels to this. Glasno probably did get injured because when also in the interview, he's talking about how to change his grip. Because when you have something like that, you don't have to grip the ball as hard. So just think about, you know, when you, yeah, I don't know. That just makes, it just, it's like when you have to think, when you don't have to hold on to something as tight, your arm can, you're doing something completely different with your arm. You just think about like how you lift a hundred pounds versus lifting 500 pounds. It's just the way you do it is so much differently. So he probably did get injured because of that, which sounds kind of funny and maybe a little silly. But when the guy's six, what is he, six, six, 280, 250 pounds, and he throws the ball like 100 miles an hour, smaller, he might be a little shorter. I don't know. But like the, the margins you're playing with when you're throwing something that speed is just totally ridiculous. And also, I found it extremely interesting how instead of like a lot of people being like, wow, pitchers are so bad, like you got Pete Alonso coming out and being like, yeah, I mean, MLB, everybody knows that MLB changes the baseball depending on the free agency. Like, whoa, what a statement that is. Then you have guys, like, defending the pitchers. Then you have, like, Rodon coming out and being like, yeah, but all these Astros guys, like, no one got in any trouble at all. And then coming out, also coming out, like, there's a clip from a Manfred interview where he was like, oh, there was also other teams involved in this. I don't know if you saw that on Twitter. I mean, the f Rob Manfred, Basically, from all this is, wow, there's so much cheating in baseball. And it's gotten a, a little out of hand. And that all falls on Rob Manfred and MLB. And the fact that they're trying to scapegoat players is, one, disgusting. And, two, like, the fact that the players know that MLB has an open conspiracy against them is, like, wow. Rob, Man Rob Manfred might be the worst commissioner of all time. Go off, King. Yeah, no, you, that echoes my thoughts almost perfectly. I don't think I could say it better myself. Uh, well, and, there's, and there's like a whole – sorry, but there's like a whole – like spin rate and like what you have to do to increase it is just crazy. And so like that's a whole different discussion also. But just the fact that the open conspiracy and all these people being like whatever. Like – and so, yeah. Sorry, go for it. No, yeah, there's tons of layers to it. It's not a simple – yes, no, this should or shouldn't be allowed story. It's more just the fact that the MLB can make the wrong decision at every turn and, like you said, kind of turn it towards the players instead of their own ineptitude and inadequacies and to do it mid-season. Like, if, if you're really that concerned, wait until the end of the season. Like, to do this mid-season, it just – it's so sketchy. And I well, think – And you think about, like, the fact that everybody knew the baseball was changing for this year and, like – MLB actually owns Rawlings. I don't know if you knew that. Like, they own the manufacture of these baseballs as of, like, 2017. And so – and the fact that Pete Alonso came out was like, yeah, we know MLB changes it depending on the free agent class. I thought that was uh, the crazy – I thought that was way crazier than anything I've heard so far. Yeah, and this saga is definitely not done. There's going to be more and more coming out about it as we get along too, so – I'm sure we'll have plenty more to talk about it in subsequent pods as well. I don't think this is the end of the discussion by any means. Yeah, and I mean, if there's – if people – I like I said, I mean, we almost did a spin rate. I wanted to talk about spin rate when we did the opening day pod. And, uh, you know, I said that a spin rate discussion was coming. It was coming. But I just kind of was like, at the end of the day, like, I'm just going to wait till be, this becomes an MLB thing. And now that it has, it will be interesting to see. But, uh, I mean, long story short – Bullfrog in sunscreen is like something pitchers do need when you're throwing 100 miles an hour and it's sweaty and like to hold control of the baseball. Spider tack and the things that they're doing to increase increase spin rate is steroids esque. So yeah. it's just it's just much they're not even the same conversation. But because it's like similar substances, it like can get convoluted. But it's it's just wild, man. It really is wild. Um, I do have another question, baseball-related, but back towards the D-backs. I have my own opinion. I'm curious what yours is. So we released the uh, the Nike City Connect jerseys for the D-backs the other day. They're like an off-tan color. Sand. And, and Sand color, yeah. And they say Serpientes on it with the uh, D-backs logo snake as the S. What do we think about the jerseys? I've, honestly, 9 out of 10. I thought they were pretty far. 
I was, I th- and I compared to the other City Connect jerseys, I think they're by far the best one. They're absolutely fire. I agree with you 100%. I, I wish – I think my only complaint is the Serpientes thing. I think they could have done something, like, way cooler with that. Um, you know, that could have gone way more into, like, the Hispanic heritage. I don't know exactly. I do like that it was Spanish, though. But, I mean, it's just – they're so fly. I do think, though, that Tim LaCastro is probably the worst model I've ever seen. <laughs> he yeah. just looked like such a tool bag with his backwards like baseball cap like what no uh, yeah i uh they're so cool that i actually even considered buying one right then and there in the midst of a 22 straight road loss same where my team sucks and like i'm still like yeah i'd rep that they're <laughs> sick dude and- yeah i'm excited they're, they're really cool all right Q's, let's finish real quick with a little bit of around the world this might be a little late because we uh, had the Sun Special pod in between, so couldn't get to everything right then and there. But a few weeks ago, USA won the CONCACAF final against Mexico. It was electric in Denver. Way too many Mexico national fans there for a Denver supposedly home game. But U.S. pulled it out, and they won. What do we, uh, what do we think? I think we touched on this last pod, but it was sick, dude. I mean, W for U.S. soccer, that roster's lit. I mean – Onwards and upwards. Let's go, baby. Yeah, I think we did touch on it too, but any chance to promote U.S. soccer, we'll do it. Especially with the Euros going on right now. Yeah, that's the very next thing and around the world. We got the Euro Cup starting off, which is always a fun competition. Obviously, the biggest news out of the weekend was that Christian Eriksen collapsed. Were you watching that game? I was. Yeah, for, former Tottenham Hotspur had cardiac arrest on the pitch. Uh, but he's good. Let me just put it that way. He's good. He played today. And, uh, you know, definitely a very, very scary moment. Euro Cup's just always fun to watch, man. It's always fun. It's sick, dude. It's absolutely electric. I mean, it's basically kind of like a March Madness for soccer. But not least, we got the College World Series coming up in Omaha, Nebraska. Do you have a team you're going to root for, a team you want to see win? Obviously, I'm an Arizona guy. They made it. They beat out Old Miss in their Super Regional this past weekend. So I'll be pulling for them. But is there anyone that you like from that field or anyone you want to win? Oh, that's an – we're literally only talking about this because Arizona isn't it. And I love that. I absolutely love that. Um, I think the thing with the College World Series this year is that Vandy is just good. So Vandy is studly. I mean, they got Kumar Rocker and Jay Leiter, who are studs, probably top both top five picks. Um, can't sleep on Tennessee's an up and coming program. Can't sleep on Virginia. Texas is studly. I think Vandy is my favorite to win it all. But I mean, don't sleep on the Arizona baseball team. They have seven guys hitting over three thirty right now. Yeah, no, they've been a good team to watch this year. I, I kind of wish. Uh... There was some fan action going on. They got some for the Super Regionals, but all year they've been putting up some big numbers without a lot of fans there to support them. But they got a tough task. Vandy's always like a perennially good program. Uh, There's probably some guys on Vandy that the D-backs are honestly looking to draft at this point since they know they're going to get a dumb pick. But I always love College World Series, man. Something about just those elimination rounds in Omaha. And I've heard they're, they're super fun to go to. So someday maybe we'll have to make a boys trip out to Omaha for the College World Series. Yeah, shout out to Andrew Bender there for being there, being on the being on the field. That's right. I almost forgot about that. Stud, dude. But, yeah, I mean, College World Series is sick simply because, I mean, with the metal bats, the game could be 8-0 in the first inning, and it could be 9-9 going in the eight. Like, it's just so wild. Like you said, like there's so many stud pitchers that are like top ten draft eligible, like will be top ten picks, including the two guys from Vandy. Um, and it's just it's an electric atmosphere. Definitely suggest watching, especially while the Suns aren't playing. So I've had like nothing to do all week. It's crazy. I've I've been hitting the gym really hard because I've been so bored. Yeah, it's been so boring without the Suns to to watch dominate every single night, but. This has been a fun one, man. I hey, appreciate real quick, you. real quick. Any any thoughts on the lack of a Julio Jones trade by the Arizona Cardinals? I mean, I was kind of hoping that we were going to pursue that, the whole D-hop 
Instagram posts about wanting to get Julio there and restructure the contract. I don't know what, you know, extent the the contracts and salary caps played in it, but it's disappointing if uh, we had a shot and didn't go after it because that really adds to the Titans' offense. I mean, especially when you look at what he got traded for, right? A second and then swapping late-round picks. I get more in detail as the season gets closer and there's more solidified stuff coming our way. But uh, all right, bro. Dude. Another dry heat in the books with your boys, Cuse and Hans. Thanks, Alec. You're the freaking man, dude. Dude, you killed it. You went off. I love your uh, rants against the MLB and just your takes on all things Phoenix Phoenix sports. Uh, you know, we uh, had a lot to cover since our last pod. Sorry, guys, that we've uh, been away for a little bit. But uh, we, we covered all the stuff we could that's happened. Sports world happens fast, so. If there's anything we missed out on that you want covered next time, don't hesitate to reach out to us. Send us your questions, your comments, whatever you want. We'll make sure to include it in the next one and do better next time.